If you are used to reading books off of a Kindle or an e-reader like a tablet or an iPad, uh, you might know that there is a highlight function when you read books. It's very easy to highlight a passage of a book and then it automatically goes into a separate notes category to be able to look at all your highlighted passages later. I'm sure you know that. But maybe what you don't know is that Kindle actually keeps track of all the highlighted passages that people highlight. And a couple of years ago, they released a list of all the most popular passages that were highlighted in all the books that they have. And I wanted to show you the most popular, most highlighted passage by far um, out of all the Kindle books out there. And it comes from The Hunger Games. Because sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. Why do you think this is the most highlighted passage out of all of American literature? Well, I have a feeling it's because sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. I can picture a middle school-age girl who is having a hard time in school, doesn't quite have as many friends as other people, maybe gets teased a little bit, doesn't know how to deal with that situation. So she reads The Hunger Games, and she comes across this passage, and she highlights it. Or I can picture a teenage boy who has to make some big life decisions in the next couple of months, And he doesn't know what to do after school. He doesn't know what to do after high school. And he's reading The Hunger Games, and he highlights his passage. I can picture a mom who is so stressed out, and her marriage has been pretty hard lately. So she picks up a light read like The Hunger Games, and when she comes across this passage, she highlights it. Because sometimes things happen to people, and they're not equipped to deal with them. That's the most popular highlighted Kindle passage. But do you know that the Bible app also keeps track of the most highlighted Bible verses there are out there? And you might think the most popular highlighted Bible verse would be like John 3.16, Romans 8.28. But really, in uh, 2014, when Hunger Games was so popular, this was the most popular highlighted Bible passage. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the most popular passage from American literature literature talks about how things happen to people and you're not equipped to deal with it. And the most popular Bible passage says, don't be anxious about those things. I think it just shows how there's so many people out there that are finding and searching for a way how to have joy during anxiety. Because there's so many people out there that are dealing with so many different forms of stress, and we're looking for something. So today we are going to dive deep into just this passage here, and we're going to look closely at what God has to say and how it can help us deal with our anxiety. So let's look closely at the very first line then. Do not be anxious about anything. Have you ever met someone before where they kind of just say, I'm just kind of a worrier. I'm just like a nervous Nelly. I'm just just one of those people that just worries a lot. Maybe you know someone like that. Maybe you are someone like that. Uh, Do you know what uh, Paul has to say to that, to somebody who says, I'm just kind of a worrier? He says, stop it. Stop being a worrier. 
Stop being anxious. Which I know what you're thinking already. It's a little easier said than done, huh? Than just stop it. Because stress and anxiety is something that so many people deal with. Let me show you a couple statistics. Members of Generation Z, people ages 15 to 21, reported the worst mental health out of any generation. So people living today who are between the ages of 15 to 21 have reported the worst mental health out of anyone. There's a study done that uh, looked at the lives of so many different people and so many different age groups and it turned out that this age group has the worst mental health. So why do you think that is? Why do you think teenagers today um, have the worst mental health out of anyone? Well, I'm sure there are personal reasons, you know, unstable home lives, uh, tough times at school, that type of things. But I also think there are, there are factors that contributed to it that this uh, study talked about. It talked about the Internet and social media. Uh, social media, how you're constantly comparing yourself to somebody else. You, you go on social media and you see so many other people smiling and living good lives. And then you look at your own life and you think, man, I, I don't know if I can compete with that. Um, they also cited about how all the uh, scary news stories that are out there, that probably doesn't help either, all the gun violence stories, immigration, racial discrimination, and uh, the declining economy. That gets uh, teenagers anxious and worried. But what's interesting is that I don't think the world is any more messed up today than it was 50 years ago. But I think we're just more aware of the problems. With things like the Internet and social media, we constantly see those stories. We constantly hear about that, and we constantly get stressed because of it. Are you surprised that uh, teenagers today are the most anxious group out of anyone? Let me show you another one. Roughly one in five people experience an anxiety disorder every single year. So anxiety uh, certainly isn't something that just affects teenagers. It affects all age groups, and by quite a bit. One in five people are cited for having some form of anxiety disorder once every single year. It just shows how many people this affects. And if you're the type of person that struggles with anxiety, it can have some long-term effects on your body. Uh, check it out. I have a chart here. It's kind of kind of small to read from maybe where you're sitting. But notice some problems where if you're a type of person that just constantly has anxiety, uh, you're going to have trouble sleeping. That makes sense, the whole idea of you know staying awake late at night because you're just constantly worried about what's going on in your life. But it also leads to a weakened immune system, meaning that if you worry much, you're going to get sick more. And digestion problems, being sick to your stomach because of some worry or anxiety you have in your life. A change in metabolism, cardiovascular problems, heart problems, uh, respiratory problems, lung problems. All these other types of problems that come just because of worrying. And isn't that interesting? Because in the Bible, when you think about sins and temptations you face, usually there's some form of like pleasure that goes along with it, some type of short-term pleasure that you need to say no to. But the Bible also says that worrying is a sin. But does anyone enjoy worrying? Does anyone say, oh, that was a good use of my time. I spent the whole night worrying. That was, that was good. I'm glad I did that. No one thinks that, right? It's a sin in your life that no one likes. You get no enjoyment out of it. And if you continue to just let it um, run spiral out of your life, um, it's going to lead to some negative consequences. It's going to physically affect your body, your mood, your sleeping, so many different things. And that reminds me of this news story that I, I recently saw. It happened a couple months ago at a Six Flags in Texas. 
There was a roller coaster that got stuck while eight people were hanging upside down. Eight people were hanging upside down for 45 minutes. And when you're upside down and you don't know that it's going to be 45 minutes, that's a really long 45 minutes, wouldn't you think? Where you're hanging upside down. They're literally on edge. They don't know what's going to happen in the future. And they're stuck. And to me, that's a picture of somebody who's struggling with anxiety. Because you see a Bible passage, you hear a preacher say, do not be anxious about anything. But then you come back and say, but I'm stuck. I'm on edge. And I don't know what's going to happen in the future with my financial problems. You hear, don't be anxious, but you say, I'm stuck. I'm on edge. And I don't know what's going to happen with my marriage. Don't be anxious about anything, but I'm stuck. I'm on edge. And I don't know what's going to happen in the future. So how can we have uh, this, this attitude of not worrying and not being anxious when you have all these different things going on in your life that you don't know what to be, uh, how to deal with them? Well, that comes from the second half of this verse. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So we are told not to be anxious, but to also pray about it. I like the way the New Living Translation puts it. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. Don't be anxious about anything, but instead pray about everything. And there's a couple different things I'd like to point out about prayer. Because um, I think a lot of you who've probably done this before, where you thought of praying simply as worrying in God's direction, where you're worried about something, there's something going wrong in your life, and you kind of pray kind of just like as a last resort. You don't really believe that God can actually change your situation or change your heart. We're just kind of like, all right, God, here it is. And you just kind of throw it out there. Are you surprised at all that you would still feel worried afterwards if you're praying without faith, if you're praying and you don't think God can actually change anything in your life? But prayer is an act of faith. It's trusting that the God of the universe who created everything is still in control of your life right now and can and does have the power to fix every situation. So when we pray, remember who you're praying to. Remember who you're praying to somebody that can actually change situations, who can actually change hearts, and that will help. But the second thing to point out, that it's prayer with thanksgiving. Prayer with thanksgiving. Because it's so easy to be worried about something when you think that you don't have enough. This comes up all the time with people who are worried about like money problems. Because you're worried about the future and you're not sure if you're going to have enough to get by for the next year, next month, next week, whatever it is. And you're worried about that. But when you stop and pray and are actually thankful, that helps. Because of instead of being so focused on what you don't have, you instead focus on what God has given to you. When you thank God for the roof over your head, the meals that he gave you, the family that's in your life, It's hard to be worried when you point out all the good blessings that God is constantly showering down on you. But this still can be hard. And I wanted to be open and honest with you about a time in my life uh, when I was really struggling with worry for a while. And it happened uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, We were just married for about six months, and I was still a vicar in Canada, meaning I was like an intern pastor. And I was wrapping up the year, 
And I knew that since we were wrapping up the year, that would mean that I'd be moving back to finish my last year of school at the seminary. And uh, we were going through a lot of stress because since my wife was Canadian, we were going to go through the immigration process. And if you don't know anything about it, it's a long, tiring, stressful, and expensive process. And also, since my wife was Canadian, that meant that when we moved back to the United States, she, wouldn't gonna, she wasn't going to be able to work because she was just a, a, on a visitor visa. And since I was in school, I could only work like 15 hours a week. So I was really worried about how am I going to get through all of this. How am I going to provide for my wife and I on 15 hours a week of working and still pay for school and have a place to live and deal with this long immigration process where there's, you know, they have so many questions up in the air. And I was really worried about that. And I could distract myself throughout the day. I could try and think of something else to do to keep myself busy. But that gut feeling in my stomach, it would come back. And I'd go through those questions again. How am I going to pay for everything? How am I going to get through this? What's going to happen in life? And I got really worried. And I told my wife about this. And I said, yeah, I, I mean, I trust. I'm a pastor. I trust that God's in control of all things. Uh, but how is this going to work out? I don't know. I, I just don't know how this is going to work out. And that's when she told me, sometimes God doesn't tell us how things are going to work out. But we still need to trust. And that's the message that I needed to hear. And I have a feeling that might be the message you need to hear, too. That God doesn't tell us how everything is going to work out. But we still need to trust. We trust that God is in control even when it doesn't make sense to us. And that leads to our second verse. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How can we trust in God when we don't know how things are going to play out? Well, that comes from the peace of God. The peace of God that transcends our understanding. Even when it doesn't make sense to us, that peace of God goes beyond our standing, our understanding. And it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this peace of God that we have, it comes from Christ Jesus. And when we talk about the peace of God, we need to look at Christ Jesus. Because when he came to this world, would you say that Jesus was worried about the stuff that he had? He owned a robe and some sandals, and that might have been it. Jesus didn't have a consistent place to lay down his head at night. He didn't have a nice home or anything like that. And he traveled around living like a foreigner, going from place to place, not worrying about the things of this world and not having anxiety about them. The only thing that really seemed to burden Jesus' heart is when we see in the Bible, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was anxious about his walk to the cross. He had all this stress. It says the Bible says that his soul was overwhelmed with sorrow about what was going to happen next. And he prayed to God about that. And on the cross, Jesus went through physical and emotional and spiritual torment. On the cross, Jesus was separated from God the Father. Jesus was separated from God the Father and took on the sins and sorrows of this world. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he went through that spiritual torment. But Jesus took on the wrath of God so that we can have peace with God. Jesus went through physical, emotional, and spiritual torment so that we can have physical, emotional, and spiritual joy forever. That's what Jesus has done for us. That's the peace of God that we have. 
knowing that we have done nothing wrong in God's sight, knowing that all of our sins of worry and anxiety and stress and doubt are completely removed because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. That's the peace of God that we get to enjoy. That's the peace of God that helps us, not just in this life, but it helps us in the eternal life. It's the thing that assures you that your sins are forgiven, and it also gives you the hope and strength to deal with the things in this life as well. And that peace of God is the peace that I've seen so many members of Holy Trinity experience. Throughout these last months at Holy Trinity, there have just seemed to be a lot of members that have ended up in the hospital for such and such of reasons. And sometimes it's for very serious issues, stage 4 cancer, a heart attack, heart surgery. And time and time again, I've heard a reoccurring theme. We start talking about what's going on. They mention about how the doctors don't really know what's going to happen next. But then they say, but God has gotten me through so much so far in my life, and I know he's going to continue to help me through this. That's the peace of God. That's the peace of God that transcends all of our understandings. That even when doctors don't know what's going to happen next, we can still have peace with God because we know that our home is in heaven. That's the peace of God that gets us through anxiety and worry and doubt. That's the first step to having your anxiety cured, cured, is knowing what God has done for us. Knowing that God is still in control. Knowing that he is still watching over you in your life now. That's the peace of God. And that's the peace of God that we're going to need Because there are still things that are going to happen to us in our life that cause worry and doubt. I'd like to show you a text message that I got on uh, this last Wednesday. So here, it's from my wife. And uh, something fell off the bottom of the car. Didn't make it out the parking lot. It's scraping against the ground real bad. That's the text I got this last Wednesday. And I hate to admit it, but when I got that text, uh, I don't know if I was the most trusting in the Lord, maybe. That may not be the best way to describe my attitude. Um, Instead, I immediately had some worries, had some doubt. I was like, oh, great, what fell off? Was it the muffler? Did, like, somehow the entire engine fall out? Like, uh, how much is this going to cost? When can I get it fixed? How big of a deal is this going to be? And immediately I got, you know, a little bit worried about it. And I got back home. And it turned out that it was just like this plastic undercarriage thing that kind of just like fell off. And in a couple hours, Mr. Hoberman had me all fixed up, and it was it was free. It was nothing, not a big deal. Um, so I ended up worrying about nothing. You know, it was just a piece of plastic that just needed a couple extra screws in it to fix everything. And so much that's our worries is we worry about nothing. We worry about something that we don't have control of in our life. And there are going to be things in this life that cause you to be worried and to have anxiety. There's going to be something probably this week that comes up where you're going to be tempted to respond with worry. But that's why we need the peace of God. Whether it's not knowing what's going to happen in the future with your finances, your relationships, not knowing what's going to happen with this building project, not knowing what's going to happen with all the stress at the beginning of the school year, not knowing what's going to happen with all sorts of medical problems and plans that you may have, There's a lot of things in this life that we can worry about because sometimes things happen to people and we're not equipped to deal with them. But that's why we need the peace of God. So we don't need to be anxious about anything because we have the God of the universe watching over us and taking care of us. We do this all in Jesus' name.
Amen.